0: The one issue that I see with a lot of people coming up, especially through this social media age is they get jaded by these likes and followers and they thinking like, oh, well, I guess all these different followers, all these different likes, all these different comments, my brand, I'm not going to do this. Mm-hmm. But the thing is they don't
1: realize you have to do repetition. Hello again. Welcome back to the pre-pro podcast. Presented by Splice House. My name is Bill Parmentier of Old Storm Studios. Today's episode, we have a local filmmaker, cinematographer, overall uh pretty cool dude, Dana Christian. Welcome to the show, man. No, thank you. Uh, thanks for having me. We appreciate you ha- being here. And always, my man, Jake. How's, How's it going?
2: Go Dana, Dana and I have worked together, so that's why I'm here. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Just a oh, little. Yeah. We
1: worked right there just a little bit. Just a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah. Normally, I would never let you on the show. <laughs> oh. But... <laughs> I'll make an exception for okay, Dana. Okay, cool. Because he seems like a nice guy. Um, so, Dana, welcome again. Um, tell me a little bit about what you do, what your background is. Like, why are you on this show?
0: Well, the reason why I'm on this show is I paid Jake to have me not playing. No, I'm fine. <laughs> 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 nah, the reason why I'm on this show is uh, basically, I, like you said, I'm a local filmmaker. I've been in the industry since, professionally since 1999. Hmm. I may not look like it, or I may look like it, but but I've been around that long. Um, I won't say anything. Yeah, yeah. And basically, like I say, yeah, I'm one of them guys that um, I would say kind of pioneer like actually entertainment video production here in town because- And especially like in the music video realm or whatever. We, we can mm-hmm. get a lot deeper into it, uh other we'll things or whatever. It. But uh but yeah, I kind of would say like I was kinda of like one of the first ones to really like just set that path. Mm-hmm. And then now I'm just man, it's tremendous. We have people doing things in the entertainment realm at a certain level that it's unimaginable. So
1: So Dana, you're uh you're a filmmaker, um, cinematographer, editor. I mean you're you're um you could be called like a one man band, but I know we yes. when we were speaking earlier, like you don't want to do so much of that anymore. So yep. is that kind of where your career started out is as yes. a one man band doing everything A to Z?
0: Yes. And it's funny because it was um, and it was just about necessity. Um, yeah. It was one of them situations to where like basically I had a music video show. And I never forget this story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a, a hip hop music video show we used to have in town. And basically people used to watch this show religiously. Like uh, <laughs> at the time, like Yo! TV Raps and Rap City was like a oh, big yeah. deal. Yeah, yeah.
2: What was the show called?
0: It was called Fat Clips. Yes. Uh, yes. And uh, what happened was uh, the show got so popular, people would call in the days it was supposed to air. Like, hey, it's a new episode running, new episode running. So <laughs> one time we had this, had to do this interview with the uh, rap artist Ludacris. So the first no time, we, yeah, the first time we had the interview set up with him. I missed it because I was interviewing and, and working with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Then the label was like, you missed the interview with him. Then I was like, okay. you know That was, that was when his first single came out. This was like before he was who he is.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: so I was like, the song was cool. I was like, I didn't know if he was going to last or not. But right. then he ended up last and his album came out and it was hot. So they was like, look, he's back in town. We need, You all need to do an interview with him. Mm-hmm. So I was like, cool. So my host couldn't show up. So I was like, what am I going to do? Luckily I knew enough About like a lot of the artists Because I'm a, like a true hip hop fan And I was able to follow track With a lot of different things So I was like you know what I'm gonna go get the camera And I'm gonna interview on myself And he was like Well how would you do that So what I did was I had the camera on my shoulder I like gave him the microphone And through the shotgun mic You could hear me asking the questions mm-hmm. So it's funny Because it's like the blueprint To like Vlad TV now And like a lot of these people That's doing like um like interviews or whatever, these point of view interviews and stuff. But like so I was just doing it just based off of pure necessity, you know? Right, uh, yeah. yeah, just to make it happen. So right. that's how I kind of sprung into that and then just translated doing the whole uh, do-it-yourself filmmaking mentality was just based off of that too. Like, okay, I didn't have budgets to, to hire crew, hire staff. So I knew how to shoot, I knew how to edit, I knew basic lighting, I knew basic audio. You have to just make stuff happen so that's where you know that spawned from but now if you get older you know you don't want to continue going down that hustle and bustle you want to actually mm-hmm. you know could uh you know level up and then also help other people in the industry as well so that's why I kind of am now
1: back at that time back in 99 2000 or wherever it was did when you were getting work did they did people see you as oh that's Dana he's the one-man band guy you pay him a flat fee he'll <laughs> do it all Mm -hmm. Was there a lot of that back then? Uh, Yes and no. Um,
0: Primarily, it was, like I say, based off of what the project needed. Mm -hmm. Like, And sometimes, like, instance, I had, like, a really big project I had to do for Universal uh, Records. And I didn't have an editing system. My buddy had one. So what I had to do was, I knew it was enough money in the budget. I was like, look, I pay you $1,000, man. We need to get this project done or whatever. I'll sit there with you. I'll go through the stuff. Because he had, at the time, he had Premiere. Mm-hmm. Uh, like one of the very first
1: stages of Premiere.
2: Premiere wow, wasn't yeah. even the thing. It, I mean, Final Cut and yeah. Avid, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. Was
1: just like, yeah, Final Cut and Avid back then. And
0: really. then, actually, believe it or not, it was really just Avid Media 100, and Premiere was kind of just like, oh, something that kind of was there.
1: Yeah, and starting
0: then, to come up.
1: I haven't I, heard anyone say Media One Hundred in a long time. I told you, I've been. <laughs> I, don't I don't even know. Then. I don't even know Media oh, yeah, One Hundred before your time. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's was, it was one, it one of the first nonlinear editing systems, and it was yeah. pretty decent though. Uh, you know, you could do some stuff with it or whatever. But um, but yeah, so based off of the projects, that's what I would have to do, and then, and then it was just it was just easier. I felt to work with the client if they can just deal with just one person, and yeah. you can just kind of do it all. You know, and then which fast forward us now it's funny because. It went from like super high budgets and people dealing with that to now people are kind of scaling back. Mm-hmm. Uh, because like I said, you don't have to go through so many channels. You can just, like I say, the, the turnaround time's a lot better. Uh, so yeah, so it's, it's just kind of was an exciting thing, but it's just funny because I've always kind of been that person like uh, forward thinking. And I would say I've always been like a forecaster. I can always predict where things were going. And sometimes I'd be a little bit too ahead of the, uh, of the weather pattern per mm-hmm. se. But, um, but then it always seems to like tumble back around to where it needs to be.
1: So when, when I was coming up, um, uh, you know, I, I would take like any job under the sun, mm-hmm. like in, in film and TV, video, whatever. And like, I looked at every, one as being like, I can make a couple of bucks. Sure. But the point is to like learn something new every time. Yes. And to like, and, and network and meet people and like get the next job and the mm-hmm. next job and the next job and take the skills that I learned and apply it to things in the future and yeah. hopefully, like you said, mm-hmm. level up, work my way up from being just a PA or something to like department head or whatever yep. it might be. You know, it would you, did you have the same kind of experience like that, only, you know, in a different way? I'm glad you brought that point up because I'm going to touch on a couple of different things in that
0: arena. Yes, I did that because. I aspired to want to be a music video director. I aspired to want to do like high end commercials and eventually like feature films. And the only way to really do that was you had to go outside of the market to do it. New York Mm -hmm. and LA. Mm -hmm. At the time I was working a lot, you know, just as an independent like filmmaker videographer that I I had to use common sense and say, Dana, like, okay, I know this is what what you want to be. But to get there in those different areas, you have to start at the bottom. I'm like, why would I start at the bottom at some place and never really possibly reach there when I'm already working, doing these things just at a, at a localized level or at a small scale level? Mm-hmm. And I'm getting paid for it and getting recognized for it. So I'm like, hmm, no, nah, let me just continue doing this, and I wait for the calls, and just kind of just do things to kind of like say network, position myself so yeah. I can be seen. And the one issue that I see with a lot of people coming up, especially through this social media age, is they get jaded by these likes and followers, and they thinking oh, like, yeah. "Oh, well, I got all these different followers, all these different likes, all these different comments. My brand, I'm not gonna do this." And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, let me just ask you this: You got five thousand followers, right? Ask your five thousand followers if they can give you a dollar right now, and see how many people will support you. Right. And then that bring you back down to reality. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, they don't realize you have to do repetition. It's like you know, Jake, we play sports. You know, us uh, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but 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 we knew like in order to get better before the big game. You have to practice, you have to put in those reps. You have to like see certain things, defenses or offenses to understand like this is how I need to maneuver when these things come. You can't just do that when something big is thrown at you. So I took a lot of jobs. I have I still do that to this day sometimes. I take some smaller jobs just to, like you say, just to experiment, yeah. just to do yeah, some yeah. different things. Because one thing I tell people is with clients, They don't want you experimenting on their own dime. They have deadlines. They don't care about your artistry. They don't care about you being creative. They look, can you make it happen? And can you deliver it? And can you do it within budget? Mm -hmm. And if you can add some razzle dazzle on top of that, cool. You know, so I use that mentality and I just push forward with that. And like I said, I never get to, um, that's some stuff I just won't take, you know, but but some opportunities I I, I analyze and look at, I'm like, you know what, okay hmm, what can I do with this? So how would this benefit me? How would it not benefit me? And if it doesn't check off certain boxes, then I'll pass it on or I just turn it down or whatever.
2: I want to go off the cuff really quick yeah. because you just brought up a good point. You're a really creative person, and I've seen that working with you, like the, the way your mind works and, you. and piecing things together. But like, how do you balance the creativity versus the the... Timelines and the in the, uh-huh. in the de- or the deadlines because a lot of people in the industry want to be very creative yeah and that that can limit you in your creativity when you're like you got to get some you got to get it done you got to execute yeah uh, you got to do both so how do you balance that
0: how I balance it is it goes back to uh, the whole uh, thing like doing some of those projects that uh that I'm, I'm not gonna say that didn't matter some of those projects I had a little bit more of uh, freedom to experiment with. It didn't have crunch time, so I can just like work out some kinks. And then when I have some bigger projects, I can introduce some of these newer things in it uh, just to see and test the waters to see if it's working with them, if it's clicking or not. Mm -hmm. But then not be married to some of that stuff because at the end of the day, like a lot of these projects we we do, it's not our projects. They Yeah, they lean on us to be the professional, to be the voice of reason, but at the end of the day is – they're the client. They're paying for it. And you have to deliver what what they want. Um, but sometimes, you know, in there are some things you do have to fight for. And some things it may be creatively because, hey, look, I need to do something creative with this because you all had this as planned and it just didn't work out. So mm-hmm. this is the best way to do that fix uh, or whatever. But I mean, but I love my clients that allow me to be creative, to have that freedom and, uh, and and do those things or whatever. But like I said, by, that's why I take on other projects on the side just to, to get all that other stuff out the bag or whatever so I can really just present those things to people.
1: That's what we were just talking about in the last podcast too is with the Tokies, is like I was saying like I'll do one job for you and then I'll do one job for me mm-hmm. to where you um, sort of fulfill your duties and you check all your boxes for a client. Yep and make money or, like, uh, you know, gain something for yourself and then turn around and, like, work for another client who maybe doesn't have as much money but Mm -hmm. allows you a little more creative freedom. Yes. And so you sort of balance it out. I mean, that's that's the way I try to do it is, like, balance it out between, like, all these different clients and they all have different needs and wants. And, like, for the ones that, you know, can't pay the full fees, for example, like, I'll push some more, like, outside-the-box creative ideas to them. Yeah. And they, they might be more willing to do that because they're, you know, getting a good deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that is that something that you experience as well?
0: Yes, I do. And actually, I recommend that to a lot of guys. Like I said, I have a music video background. And, uh, and with a lot of the younger music video directors uh, – one thing is they have to realize these clients, they aren't loyal in that music video world. They just looking to get a music video done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if it happens to stand out, be creative, that's fine. And, and I applaud the artists uh that actually do care about their image and their music and having everything match up and go someplace. But it's a lot of artists that don't. And I see a lot of these younger guys, they get their cameras, they these artists pay them. I'm not going to say dollar amounts, but it's it's for real. I mean, it's it's not a lot of money, but they do so many of them in volume, it looks like it's a lot. But then the next year, another guy comes in and just charge $100 less, Mm -hmm. and then now they out the box. And I tell him, I said, look, what you have to do is, if you turn off the sound on all your music videos, all of them look alike. Yeah. I said, so what you need to do is, in order to help you get to the next level, Artists that you know are really going to like go someplace or even some of these bigger artists do a music video for free with them because that way it will help get your name out there because you can piggyback off of that. But some of these artists that don't have bigger names, dude, push your creative agenda off on them. Absolutely. Because now you can use that to help showcase that you more than just a template based mm-hmm. producer, director, editor, cinematographer. Right. Right. Yeah, if I'm not going to make
2: my
1: rate on this or I'm not, mm-hmm. not going to make a decent amount of money on this job, Like at least I'll get something great for my portfolio. Exactly. That's yeah. what
2: Eric and Mary Toki talked about on the last episode. Mm-hmm. And that's really cool. You got you to gotta build your portfolio. You got to yeah. showcase what you're capable. Of. How does yeah. this lead into Nelly? Because you worked mm-hmm. with Nelly a lot. Mm-hmm. Was there a question about that? Because it well, seems yeah, like we're right there. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's pretty <laughs> much it. <I> mean, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just... I love, I love. I guess it's It's, on the music video. Yeah. Like how did you,
1: so um, Jake just mentioned Nelly, the uh, multi-platinum recording artist, Nelly. Mm -hmm. We all know who he is from St. Louis. Yeah. Um, So how did you go from doing like little one man band videos to like working with Nelly?
0: And actually, it came, that whole experience came through my music video show. So like uh, him and his group, I I always still associated St. Lunatics. Even though Nelly mm-hmm. was "quote unquote" the one that that like was the the "quote unquote" superstar, I know those guys. All of them are superstars in their own right. Um, so one of the one of the guys in the group, he called my music video show for a contest that I was doing,
2: yeah.
0: And uh, we was chit chatting, and he was trying to coerce me into like letting him win. I was like, "Man, no, you you <laughs> didn't get the answer right." And then we just started talking because he was a really cool guy. I was like, "So so, what do you do?" He was like, "I'm a rapper." I was like, mm-hmm. "And and this is like what in what 97? 98. I'm like, before right. you were shooting, yeah, before right. I was just had the music video. I mean, I still was like just filming, like filming okay. my music video show and editing, sure. but I wasn't branding myself as like a music video mm-hmm. director, I was just a music video <laughs> show producer. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, I was like, So who, you a rap? I'm like, who, who you rap with? He said, The St. Lunatics. I was like, dog, I know y'all. I said, like, yeah, I'm like, y'all song caught I was like, I tell people like, it's you and this other group called the Gatekeepers, man. I think if anybody could like blow up in St. Louis, it'd be y'all. So he was like, word. So we started chit-chatting and he invited me down to their very first music video, not the Country Grammar one. It was a video they did called Give Me What You Got
2: that oh. they filmed.
0: So I came down there, I went to the skating rink, met all the fellas and stuff like that. Stayed in contact, started seeing them out, mm-hmm. you know, touching bases. And then... The country Grammy music video shoot was coming up because the song started like blowing up locally. Yeah, I never forget. It was uh, it was like doing a the weekday. They was doing the shoot and during the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And at this time, I had to check out like the video camera, like at the TV station. So I had to go in, sign it out, and stuff like yeah. that. <laughs> I, was, I was like, hey, you know what? I, I was like, I was like, you know what? I I, I don't. I almost didn't go to the video shoot. I almost didn't go. This is country grammar. Why not? Yeah, because had you heard the music yet? No, this was this was, this was the very first single, and it was still yeah. a local song. Had right. you
2: heard the music, would you have known how big it was, and would have been there? And I for sure. I'm I'm be, I'm
0: be honest. I, I heard this like I said country Grammar, Like the song was playing on the radio. Yeah, and I told Nelly this one time. I said, Nelly, look, <laughs> I was not a fan of the song Country Grammar. Ooh. I wasn't. Wow. Blasphemy. But no, but no, but, but, but here's the reason why. Sonically, the song was just okay. And even to this day, the song is just okay. But I like, I liked it because I understood what it represented. And that's the thing yeah. I always did, even my music video show. I played some songs and music videos that I necessarily wasn't a fan of. But I removed myself from the picture. I said, you know what? Why is this song a hit? Why does people why do people like this artist? So um so I always kept that in mind, but I say, you know what? these are local guys. I need to support them. Yes, let me go get the camera. went out there, and I'm glad I did because I was the only person to this day that documented that whole music video. Like other than like the, the action
1: ax- behind
2: the scenes, the
0: behind the scenes, other than like the camera crew that was there filming, mm-hmm. I was the only one that documented that this, this particular day.
2: And where is that footage now?
0: I still have it. <laughs> I still have it. It was oh, uh, a thirty-seven terabytes. <laughs> <sorry. laughs> <laughs> I know, right? It's sitting on the desk somewhere, getting collected yeah, dust. Right. No, but um, but that's how I, that's how I started out. And then from there, the music video director who did that music video, he was like. Renowned as like one of the best like music video directors, especially in the hip hop music world, uh, named Mark Classville. I was just chatting it up with him because at this time I was hired by Universal Records to actually do an EPK, electronic press kit Mm -hmm. for the group. Uh, so we was out in LA, and they was doing the "Batter Up" and "Ride With Me" music video. Yeah, yeah. So I'm talking to the music video director, just like saying, explaining to him, man, I, I really like how you do the portrait style type of shots with the with the people, and then just how you capture like urban scenarios, and then mix that and put put artists in different situations you wouldn't normally see them in. And he was just soaking this all in. So I never forget. I got a call from uh, from the producer from his film company. They was like, hey, Mark Classfield spoke highly of you, and he said that like he wants you to be his casting director. I'm like... Really? Yeah, I'm like, casting director. I'm like, I never casted no, no music videos before. He was like, no, no. He <laughs> said, you can do it. He said, for one, you know a lot of people. You understand the type of people he like to see, and you know, the, you know the group. I did it.
1: And then... For those two music videos, for no,
0: for, for the videos they did back here in town, it was Midwest Swing. Give us a song for the Saint Lunatic album. Mm-hmm. I mean. Pretty much from the Midwest Swing music video, and then any other music video that was done in St. Louis, like from Chingy right there, Jay Kwan's, uh video, oh yeah, uh, all those songs. I was the casting director for all those music videos. Really? Yeah. Uh, oh, but, that's awesome. But then, but then, uh, yeah,
1: but, <laughs> <laughs> I watched those videos so many yeah, times, so dude. Good, man. It's
0: it, it was it was an experience, and then that's how I kind of. You know, met all these all these artists yeah. and started working with them because I was the casting director, but then they would let me like film behind the scenes. So I had like tons of footage of behind the scenes of all these music videos and then start traveling with the artists, getting more in-depth, more personal videos, some people seen and some people haven't seen.
2: But what, yeah, what were you doing with all this video content, the behind the scenes? Was it going anywhere? Or was yeah. It, okay. it,
0: what I was doing is like, so what happened was like with the, with the Nelly Project, and this is big on like I say like networking and kind of putting yourself out there and and I tell people like before social media you had to go hand to hand you had to be face to face with people. Mm-hmm. So the group the Saint Lunatics was doing a photo shoot, right? So I was there to film behind the scenes. Um I don't even think I was I even getting paid to do that. I think I was just doing it
1: just I don't know, Danny. Yeah.
0: I, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> no, I, 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 I had to go back and try to find some bank statements. <laughs> um, but I know I was there doing behind the scenes for the photo shoot. And the marketing director for Universal Records for the Urban Division, she was there. So we sitting in the chair and we just talking. And I was saying, I was like, man, like, just the chemistry of the guys and, and how they just interact. I'm like man, y'all should really do something like to showcase this so people can really see who they are. And especially by them coming from St. Louis so people can really know it's bigger than that because people in New York and LA, they you kind of know where they're from. Mm-hmm. I think if y'all can put something together, that'd be great. Like a press kit, like a EPK. And she was like, you should do it. I was like, okay, yeah, I will. <laughs> she was right. like, yeah. I'm gonna call you Monday and, and we're gonna we're gonna talk some numbers so I was like okay they call me Monday talk numbers <laughs> and then this I was they they flew me out <laughs> I got Ooh, flown out yeah. to uh to la yeah. for that uh, batters up uh batter up in um yeah yeah wire with yeah. me music video that was so much fun yeah. so that footage that I was shooting for that was part of the EPK. So with like the first five hundred thousand copies of the Saint Lunatic album, you got a, a light. It was a, a foam uh, VHS tape mm-hmm. that came with the that actually came with the uh, the CD. Yeah, and then. I used that same marketing strategy with Chingy. Started working with Chingy. He was a casting director, mm-hmm. met his people, pitched them on, hey, look, let's do an EPK. <laughs> and then that one was like, on I the know D- how to do this. And, and that one up. was on the DVD with the CD. So it was packaged up together. And then uh and then with Jay Quan, I did something with him. And then with Ebony Eyes, I did some. So it's kept, I kept using that formula. So mm-hmm. A lot of that footage was uh, was packaged up and went out with the CDs and then I had like VH1 BET MTV they would call me and license footage from me. So also it's imp- Heck yeah. So it's important to keep your archives <laughs> Keep that footage because you just never know what it's going to be worth. And like I say, and as long as you own it, you can constantly keep reusing it over mm-hmm. and over again. And we've seen it with the Kanye West documentary.
2: Well, I wanted to ask that because you have all this footage. Are you going to do something with it? Are you planning? I am. Anything?
0: I am planning on doing something with it. I'm, I'm kind of in talks with somebody right now. I don't want to say too much about um about utilizing and uh and, you can, and you telling tell that story. Today. Nobody's listening.
1: Okay. Go ahead. Oh, god. <laughs> oh my god!
2: We only have—we say this every time—we only have a million listeners. Yeah, I know, so right? Dude, yeah, it's yeah. Only a million. I mean, it's fine. But see, it maybe that 1000001 listener <laughs> oh yeah that, yeah and one listener—oh
0: yeah—that yeah—and you are going to jail. I it's know, something. right? <laughs> <laughs> but well, yeah, I'm talking to somebody about doing something on the largest scale because there's there's yeah. been
1: some that reminds me there's been some uh, sort of like rock docs on like HBO mm-hmm. and Netflix and stuff recently of just yeah. like just like concert footage or like mm-hmm. t- tour footage, and it, this seems like. Exactly in that lane to do yeah, that. It, it is. seems perfect. Like yeah. The the St. Louis story or something. Well, by
2: the way, when that when that Kanye da- doc came out, I think I called you right away mm-hmm. and I was like, tell me you've seen this. You're like, Yeah, of course. I yeah. was like, You're the cootie <laughs> to Nelly. And I was like, You got all this footage. Like, yeah. Come on.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and like I say, I, man, like the piece and the idea that I have, it's not only a St. Louis story, but it's a story that I have never heard in music history. Of the way it unfolds The way it happened And even where it is today
2: So um, You're talking about The whole Nelly situation The whole it's just, Country grammar
0: It's I, I ain't gonna say too much But it's It's, 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 some, it's some parts And pieces in there That okay. people haven't
2: heard Well I believe that But yeah. also I mean Do you think that Put St. Louis on the map People probably didn't even know who, Where St. Louis was Well of was. course like, putting
0: Yeah putting St. Louis on the map Like I say it, Timing is everything So people don't realize What was going on In St. Louis at that time The St. Louis Rams Won the Super Bowl Oh, yes. yeah, that was 2000. Yes. Uh, the, 2000. Yeah, and 2000. then yeah. what happened is you have was to it remember. 99? No, Oh, it was it, the 99, 99 year it was it 2000. 2000. Yeah, was yeah. 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 And you have to remember what was happening. You had guys that was coming from L.A., bright lights, big city, Hollywood, coming to St. Louis. So you need to replicate that energy. And then when Nelly came out, it just magnified it. And so that way you could really lean into like, I'm from St. Louis and I'm proud. We have, you have for real champions. You have people that's coming up from, that you wouldn't think about. So the timing on that was crazy, but as far as the music scene, Totally, that put St. Louis on the map, and we had other music artists out there, yeah. But that one right there he was opened the biggest a door. thing out
2: there, and yeah. that music style it had that like the country grammar, it yes. wasn't just your typical east coast, west coast rap, it was different, yeah. That was, and that yeah. to me, why country grammar stuck out. Mm-hmm. I liked Ride With Me when I, that was my song when, mm-hmm. when that album came out, but yeah. country grammar had a we hadn't heard anything like that.
0: Yeah. And it was just so different sonically and everything. And it's funny because I'm buddies with uh, his main producer, J.E. And I asked him one day, I was like, J.E., I'm like, so when you was doing this album, like, what what was going on? Like, what made you what made you do that? And he was just like, man, because, like, J.E.'s a really talented guy. He's really into music. And he's a student of their craft. And he just told me, he was like, man, like, just... With that twang of Nelly's, it just reminded me of like the bluesy country type of sound. He said, and "I, I need still hear
1: that twang, brain." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And he said, like, it was hard to really construct and put Nelly on your typical boom bap type of hip hop beats. Mm-hmm. And we're not a boom bap city. He said, "So what? What are we known for musically? The blues and and jazz and and that." And he, and and, and Nelly even says this too. He actually uses his voice as an instrument. So when he he does those riffs and those those twangs and those those melodies it um it really just enhanced it was just a cool cool blending of the sounds or whatever so uh, man that was it was just genius for them just to to put that together, yeah. but that also really opened up the door but then the yeah. sound evolved, yeah. and you had the chingis. And uh, you know what I'm saying The Murphy Lee Came up out the camp And then like you say Quan. I mean just I mean you 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 name them Even now we have artists That's just really doing This thing. like Smino I don't know if you all Are familiar with Smino He's a um, No yeah, I don't know Look him up know. Smino he's, he's super dope He actually he has a single Called 90 Proof That he just did with J. Cole uh, Oh really Yeah I mean Awesome Super dope He's from that same lineage Where he uses his voice As an instrument mm-hmm. And then his wordplay Is like bananas You know
1: <laughs> Dan, it seems like you, you had a lot of connections, especially like out in LA and like with the music video scene, Mm -hmm. the music industry, like, why did you stay in St. Louis? It it seems like you could have gone somewhere and like, you know, been somebody, so to speak. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But like, why, why stay here?
0: You know, I I got, I get that question a lot. Even Even back then I get that question because people, I guess they, they saw something in me that was bigger. Um. My thing is, the reason why I stayed is, it kind of goes back to like my childhood, how I was brought up. Like I grew up in the inner city of North St. Louis. And at the time, I guess my parents would be considered middle-class. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, and that, also families were moving out to North County. My parents knew the history of the city of St. Louis and in, in the inner city in particularly. They was like, you know what? People around her need to see professionals in these, in these areas so they can at least get some inspiration, inspire to be something or whatnot. So I guess some of that yeah. was kind of embedded in me. And then I know like, okay, that, I didn't know any music video directors here in St. Louis. I didn't know any like high-end commercial branding directors here in St. Louis. I mean, like people who did commercials, but sure. I'm talking about on the level where we see them now. Like, it wasn't that in St. Louis. It was strictly news and sports. That's all I knew. So when I say it, like, I was kind of like the first of its kind, like, doing actually Mm -hmm. entertainment-based video production. I was like, you know what? People need to see this. And then, plus, I was a full-time, like, literally, the day I graduated from college, I was working for myself. Yeah. So I'm like, why would I pick up, go someplace, work for somebody else doing something lesser than me and have to start over when I'm in a – Greater position, maybe I'm. I may not be making the type of money. Mm-hmm. I may not be doing the larger scale videos, but I'm getting those reps in. I'm building. I'm building a brand for myself. People are knowing me. I, it's steadily growing. So I'm like, only way I do that is unless, like the like the Universal Project come along. Somebody's going to hire me to, to bring me out there and do that. And um and yeah and then now like I say that caught up because now like especially during the pandemic. People were doing things virtually, uh, virtually, and you connecting like uh, via the the internet, via, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, like, like Jake, you know, like we work with clients out of town and we just upload the footage to them and then they give reviews right there on the spot. So you don't have to leave your home to do that. Mm -hmm. So that was one of the main reasons. And the second main reason I came to realization, too. I was talking to a buddy this weekend and they mentioned something about the sense of freedom, having freedom. And then I was like, you know what? By by staying here and doing this on my own terms. it's a sense of freedom. It's like I'm not having to chase after the industry. I let the industry chase after me. Right. And when you get a, a real taste of that, dude, it's hard to go back. It's hard to go back. I mean, mm-hmm. I pondered about like, should I, should I go take this job out here? Should I go do this? And I'm like, it just don't make it just don't feel right in here. So that's why I stay grounded here in St. Louis and like I say, and and hopefully inspire other people. And and you know what I'm doing now is mentoring the youth and uh yeah. have some other mentors and friends. Well, I don't even say mentors, people that I help, you know, inspire and get into the film industry. And a lot of lot, like photographers that you all know that um that made the jump from photography to video. Believe it or not, I I'm not saying I'm responsible for that, but they reached out to me and it's like, hey, look, I, I, I'm thinking about getting the video, and I'm thinking about, can you, can you show me this? I'm like, yeah, of course,
1: yeah, go ahead. And they, I mean, they're doing great. I, I like to think that you're responsible for their for their success, personally. But I, I say, you
0: know what, I, I like to say, I like that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you don't even know these people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, he, may, he may know he some might, people. He yeah, yeah, yeah. I,
1: I don't know who these, who these people are, for yeah. sure. Yeah, but, um, I don't know.
0: But, yeah, I, I can't take credit for their success because they put in their work. What I did was just kind of like, just share it like, hey, look, this is the introductory to it. Like, here's the door walk through it, man, explore, take your tour, you know, take pictures, do what you need to, Mm -hmm.
2: and just just treat it right. That's important. Nobody gets anywhere without the help of others. Yeah. Yeah. You have to to utilize your resources, so that's cool. Like being in St. Louis, helping St. Louis grow. um, Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, that that all makes sense to me. Yeah,
0: And plus, I I love collaborating. I love love collaborating with people. Granted, I like doing my own things, but... Mm -hmm. I know something about when you really can have that connection with with uh with certain people, certain other creators and uh it's just man it's it's just a wonderful thing. Yeah.
1: I I like being I live in LA for a couple of years mm-hmm. and I tried my tried it out uh in the industry and it it's it's like suffocating yes. uh, for me anyway mm-hmm. it was. It's like I was one of a million people trying mm-hmm. to do the same job yep. that I wanted. And like moving back to St. Louis and and working here, it's like I felt like more of a big fish in a small pond, Mm -hmm. you know, and found more success that way rather than trying to like scrape after the crumbs in a a really big city. Yeah. And like the stuff I do is like, you know, we're not making giant movies and stuff here yet. Yeah. But it's like the stuff that we're doing is like so much fun. And like I've got a career out of it. Like I can take care of my family. Yes. You know, and I feel fulfilled. Like it's it's awesome. So like. Having somebody like you stick stick around too is like it just it builds the city up.
2: Isn't it interesting how there's so there's still a lot of production here and everybody actually somewhat once you get in you kind of start knowing everybody Mm -hmm. and or at least knowing of people and then you like I've been following you for like a year and a half and I finally met you and it's like Mm -hmm. we know each other but that's St. Louis you probably wouldn't get that out in L. A. in New York oh no you're just all it's just yeah. I
0: mean. But you but you know what the funny thing is, I tell people this, actually the, the industry is a lot smaller than what you think. It's a lot, like I said, it's a lot of people out there that's trying to get in, a lot of people aspiring, but the ones that's actually doing it, it's a small amount and it's a and it's a it's a click, and it's funny because like one of my uh one of the uh my buddies that I helped get into the industry, he's like a super big executive producer for like a lot of reality TV shows. Wow. So like when we had phone calls or he went across somebody, he was like, dude, I didn't know you knew such and such. Cause he's Mm -hmm. like in like New York, Atlanta, all these different places and he's meeting people that know me and he's like, man, like, I didn't know you. I was like, yeah, I was like, dude, I'm telling you, when you get in, it's it's smaller than what you think. It looks big on the outside, but like, like once you're in, you're in, especially Mm -hmm. on the uh, executive level, and things like that. And the only way you really out, you have to do something really horrible to get it to get oust. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We've seen a few of those people.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, but uh but then sometimes you leave on your own terms or whatever. But um, but man, but it's you have to like one thing I tell people, you have to make sure you you have solid relationships with people and you treat people right because that stuff comes back around, believe it or not. I mean, oh, yeah, you, you can be scandalous and then get there quick. But you're going to fall even quicker.
1: I think Jake and I have talked about this before. It's like treating people well mm-hmm. and with kindness and empathy and patience in this industry in particular, like will get you farther than than being like, you know, the most kick ass cinematographer ever. Or yeah. Something,
2: you know? Well, and, and talking about St. Louis being small and how like everybody knows each other the agencies know all the different companies and know yeah. the different companies yeah. know yeah. And, and sometimes they're like collaborating in in weird ways that they it's having that respect for the most part I see a lot of respect and mm. it's like you know I want the best for some of the other production yeah. companies and and creatives and um, and that's that's cool like we can all we can all do our thing and, yeah. and not do it in the same exact way or sometimes collaborate. So, yeah, Yeah. I mean, we all
1: we're all like sort of competitors at the same time, but also like the way that I look at it personally is like a rising tide raises all the boats. Mm -hmm. And so we're all like if one company does well, then we're all kind of doing well, because it's helping. Same thing with like Nelly. It's like it's putting us on the map. Mm -hmm. And so like people are looking at us now and paying attention to us. Yeah. And so like we there's there's plenty to share. Like we can all work. Yeah. I feel like, yeah.
0: Personally, I, I just wish the one thing is it, it will be. A, and me and Jake, we actually went to um, a, a seminar, or conference. Yeah, last week yeah. was that last week. It was like last week, a week before last Yeah, yeah two uh, the seven. one, the one thing I, I, I would say, and it goes back to just like, and, and I get it. Like people work with people that they know. Yeah. But the one thing is, I, I wish, and in all the creative avenues and all the arts here in St. Louis, we need to be a little bit more diverse because I've been to some of these mm-hmm. agencies and dude, it's just like, okay, what is this? Like, why uh, is everybody just all the same? Like, uh-huh. and and I feel like in order to start putting out things to different audiences and different people, you just need those different perspectives. And I'm just not talking about like race. I'm talking about just like different ways of, uh, of people thinking different re- religious beliefs, just all these different uh, things that you can bring to the table that can really make some incredible pieces of work. Right. You know, and you just don't get that from just one type of person.
1: Right. It's like you're, um, the way I think about it is like, um, there are so many different people out there and just looking at it from like a business perspective, there are so many different types of consumers out there who consume Mm -hmm. media or products or whatever it is. And like, you're not going to reach as many people if you're if all the people making creative decisions are all just white dudes, yeah, you know, it just doesn't, it's just not going to work that yeah. way. You have to bring other people into the conversation and let them all make choices together to be able to reach all the different audiences that are out there. Mm-hmm. And like, and you can't do that unless you bring in people who are not like you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, I just, I, I think that's, that is a big issue in this industry. It absolutely is. Mm-hmm. So like, I mean, I love a lot of the people that we work with, but like, honestly, most of the people that I work with are just white people and it's like,
2: it's common. I mean, in, it's in, just the
1: way the industry is. And I, I don't know if and it's and just that's, my experience or no. I mean, just that's, the way it is. That's
2: a hundred percent in, in Dana. I mean, there's in general, if you looked, if you po- po- pulled all the creatives into one bucket, like. Mm-hmm the majority would probably be white males, right? Mm -hmm. So like, how do we also, I I feel like the the question goes a little deeper and you were talking about the mentorships and like, how Mm -hmm. do we get into like, and we're all busy, we're like working. So it's like, how do we get into the schools and like, show people like hey there's there's opportunity here and you know you might have creativity and and like what more what do you think what more could be done to like but definitely has to
0: start start early because i know Mm. a lot of my uh my colleagues that i know uh growing up they had the uh the liberties to experiment early on with their artistry and you have to remember like certain people from certain demographics they don't have those luxuries because they're trying to survive. Oh, yeah. yeah. uh and they like I say, they just don't know certain people who hold certain titles and occupations. They don't have access to that. So these type of people need to be more visible. That's why we do a youth, uh, a youth summer youth film camp. Uh, we've been doing it three years now. And it was important that I got a part of that because I was like, look, I had a mentor. I started in college, but imagine if I started in high school. Imagine if I started if I was in middle school, where mm-hmm. would I be? I'm like, I have an opportunity to give these kids that. And a lot of them, like we was in Birmingham because it's, it's, uh, the, this film camp originated in Birmingham. It's been going on 15 years plus now. We just there for the award show they did. Mm-hmm. Dude, like the level of the acting and like the people, that's like the kids, just actually like filming, directing, doing sound and all that. Dude, they light years ahead.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: I mean, so yeah. I was like, that's what we need more of. Mm-hmm. And then also, too, um, be, you have to be open-minded because the one thing is when you bring people in, they may not know it all, and I get it. Us as business people, we um, we trying to make things done, get things done, get on time. Sometimes we don't always have time to show people that. But sometimes you just have a person just like, okay, look, I see some talent in you. Don't say and Don't do a whole lot Just watch Mm -hmm. That goes a long way as well And then you just be surprised Of of who who can do what But then also too You have to pick the right people The right personnel too Because You just don't want to get people To check off certain boxes You know Oh yeah Yeah I know Yeah because Because people bring Certain different things to the table Some Mm -hmm. people And people have certain Different interests or whatever So it's a combination Of a lot of different things But I think the exposure And just being open And willing To give people opportunities (sighs) That's going, that goes along.
2: I got a question for your mentorship. Mm-hmm. I st- we both played basketball, but I stopped playing basketball a long time ago. Me too. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I tried to coach, and I was like, oh, I know what my coaches didn't give me mm-hmm. that I can give to these kids. Yeah. And I started coaching, and I realized all the things that I thought I could do from a coaching perspective— I could only get as far as that kid would allow me to get. Yeah. That mm-hmm. person also has to want yes. to be yep. and and like it wasn't like a favoritism thing but like it was like I have to coach a team of 10 kids mm-hmm. but this one kid over here is like really wants it yeah. and I'm like I just want, I really just want to focus on this kid cuz mm-hmm. he wants it and and then and then that makes you as a mentor like I more excited, yeah. Because you don't want the kid that's just like when you turn away and he and he's not doing what you're asking when you're not looking. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you like? How do we bridge that gap? Because like, you know, to go in and try to help young kids mm-hmm. if they don't want it, I mean it's a it's a loss. But right? you know
0: what? We talk about that because we have some kids in that came into the camp that we just felt like their parents was dropping it off for daycare. It was like, oh, it's summer program or, yeah, the, or the parents yeah. wanted them more than the kid. Mm-hmm. And then I identify who those kids are. I put them to the side. I was like, hey, look, how, how'd you get here? Do you really want to be here? Be honest with me. They was like, man, my mom kind of, you know, wanted me here. I, I thought I liked it, but I don't think I'd I do this. It's fun, but I don't think I could see myself doing this full time. I'm like, you know what, that's great. I said, but you know what? You don't have to do this as a career. But what you have to do is take away certain principles, certain ideals, certain work ethics. Yes. Let's lean into that Mm -hmm. for you. And then you'll find your way into that. But the thing is you experience this. So use this experience as your teacher, as your guide. Now, the person over here, did you really see that got it? Oh, we're gonna pull you to the side and say, okay, look, let me talk to your parents. Hey, look, they really have something here. You need to do X, Y, and Z. Let's stay connected at the hip to help move them forward. As long as they want to continue to move forward, let's do that. Because, But at the end of the day, though, too, we have to remember, kids should be kids. And should never put any pressure on them to do. The parents or adults shouldn't want it more than the, than the, the child mm-hmm. first. But if that child wants it, has a certain ethic, then, hey, look, as long as – as long as you keep giving me this energy, I'm gonna get the same energy back to you, mm-hmm. and that's how that's how you do it.
1: I do kind of the same thing. We talk about uh, I've got two young boys, and mm-hmm. so we try to teach them like, look, I know I'm taking you to this thing. Mm-hmm. It may not be your favorite thing in the world, but like, do your best to get something out of it. Yes, learn something from this. Mm-hmm. Like, or like, I know you don't like math class, mm-hmm. but like, try to get some. Something out of it, like don't just sit there and pout and whine yeah. about it, you know, like give me some amount of focus mm-hmm. and get something back out of it, so we're not just wasting time,
0: yep. yeah, 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 not. And, that, and that's important, like you say, it has to be learning experience because sometimes, I mean, there's certain things that we have to do in the industry that necessarily we may not have to like doing paperwork, some people may not like to do script writing or reading scripts or whatever, doing lighting, audio, but. It's those things you kind of at least need to have some idea of because if you put it in somebody's hands mm-hmm. and they try to like screw you over, <laughs> you know. Like, hey, look, no, oh, yeah. it don't it don't go down like that, mm-hmm. you know.
1: Well, yeah, I think that's that's a side of the industry that a lot of people don't don't think about or mm-hmm. don't see. It's yeah. like there's a lot of people. I wouldn't maybe not a lot but like there's definitely some people out there who are going to try to screw you over. Uh-huh. And like if you're uh if you're a, a one man company or you're a freelancer like you got to know how to take care of yourself, and yeah. protect yourself. But like where do you learn that?
2: Well, well, and sorry, I just I wanted to chime in here because uh-huh. I think this is a good important reason you said this before we kind of started this conversation about how we work with the same people. You get getting in and proving yourself and then that's what's hard is like the, the the people I would hire, the people, I, like, I know this person is going to get it done. Mm-hmm. And I'm not thinking, like, who they are or what they look like. I just know they're going to get it done. Yeah. yeah. And so,
1: like. Yeah, I totally understand <laughs> that. And, like, when when I'm producing something and I'm hiring a crew, like, my the depth of my bench only goes so far. Mm-hmm. So if, if my, like, A, B, and C person <clears throat> to shoot is not available, I'm kind of like, uh, who do I call? Like, yeah. and, and I have to really rack my brain thinking about like who else is out there that can like mm-hmm. do this kind of job. And I'm like, half the time I'm like, I don't know. Like, so I'm texting somebody to see like, hey, who do you recommend for this yeah. thing?
2: But Cami, Cami talked about that, and th- in that in that conference that we had, the di- breaking barriers, mm-hmm. it was like reach out to your peers, yeah, and then maybe ask them. Like, maybe I can call Dana. Maybe I can yeah. call other people that I am not even thinking like this person might know somebody. Yeah, And I'm not, sometimes you're just like moving so fast, you're not even thinking about that. And yeah. it, it's, it's
0: interesting because it's, um, I've done some work with BET uh, for one, there's a, a web series that they have done. And their crew is, they they like to keep pretty much a self-contained African-American based crew. So when they go to the different cities, they literally, that's what they look for first. They like, because they understand mm-hmm. the opportunity sometimes can be far and few, especially to work with a brand like BET. So, uh, so yeah, so they get those calls. And if I can't do it, then they ask, hey, so you know somebody else who may have opportunities. So, you know, some PAs or somebody, like like their DPs, man, he's amazing. it has got Kevin Spence. Oh, my God. I mean, like, I put him up against any of the DPs that I, that I know. It's like amazing mm-hmm. work. He had an inspiring a PA that was inspiring to be in the, uh, uh, a, a DP, he's sitting there showing them the camera, talking them through it or whatever. And like I said, we we have to actually do a for real shoot, right? Right. So it's sometimes just man, just just taking people under their wing and just having th- that that empathy, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in order just to make it happen.
1: Yeah. Right. I wish we just had like one day a week where we could just all get together and like teach each other stuff. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't have time for that though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is there like one or two things that like? If you could just do those couple things, like you, I, you, I'd be, I'd be set. Or, or do you like sort of running around and doing a lot of like sort of rotating between a lot of different stuff? Man, I like I like rotating between a lot of different stuff because yeah, I'm
0: a true creative. It's like I want to do stuff in the animation world. Oh. I want. I still want to do a few music videos here and there because I just love I just love that genre. I just love mm-hmm. music, and it's like just the pulse for filmmaking. I feel I, I, I believe uh, documentaries. Uh, you name it, and actually i'll um uh, have an opportunity to do my first indie feature coming up uh really soon, oh really? yeah, oh right on, yeah, so uh with with a tremendous and amazing author named Brenda Hampton she's uh really was known in the urban literature world, and she's made a move over to screenwriting, and you all may not know, but out of Detroit, they have a huge independent movie scene going on up there right now, really? yes, it's crazy, awesome, yeah, so. She was working with a lot of those uh, directors and producers up there. But she was like, I need to bring this energy back home to St. Louis. So mm-hmm. it's stuff like that to where, like, you have to be intentional about what you do and moves because you know how it's going to benefit the whole entire
1: ecosystem of your city. Mm-hmm. See, I I was talking about this with other people, too. Like, I feel like I run into um – People who want to kind of pigeonhole you is like, mm-hmm. oh Dana, he's he's the music video guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that, then you're yeah, like, well, no, I do all these other things too. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm good at all these other things mm-hmm. as well. Like, have you run into that?
0: Yeah, and I think that's just the industry thing. How you come in, yeah. people try to kind of keep you at that, but then that's why you have to like take that time to do spec work, do some of those jobs that may not pay, that, to show like, hey, look. I, I could do multitude of different things. Just don't put me into one box and one genre. Mm-hmm. And that's how you and I'm, look, certain actors they do that. They would take on a major feature film and they don't want to get typecast. So they would do an indie just to show their range.
1: Yep. That's that's like me as a as a commercial actor. Like mm-hmm. I'm typecast as like a dad and like mm-hmm. a guy who grills. Okay. What, that's, that's like my Wait a
0: minute! Like you said, grills like like Nelly grill. Oh no, no! Like, like, the, like literally, the, like grilling meat. I'm messing with you. Yes,
1: look at me now. I'm definitely a guy who wears grills. I can see. I
0: can see you rocking some grills. Okay, okay.
1: I'll tell my wife. Okay, let her know
2: next episode. Christmas is coming up. So I know, right? right? Yeah. A little bling bling. We'll have him with the with the with the blues it's, chain. I know, oh, right? You yeah, see that? Yeah. <laughs> oh god.
1: You were talking about independent film coming yeah. up. Like, what else you got? You want to talk some more about that? Or what What else is on the horizon? That, uh, man,
0: continued, uh, continue working, probably doing more like, possibly like advertisement type of branding pieces. Mm-hmm. I still like doing a docu, docu style type of pieces and things like that. And uh, man, uh, coming back here, yeah. talking to you guys. Heck yeah. I think that's all I wanted to do. I, you know what? I'm gonna stop filmmaking. I think I want to be a podcaster.
1: You all, you all, you all. <laughs> your me. job, baby. <laughs> I'll tell you what. You can have it. <laughs> well, cool, Dana. Uh, thank you very much for being on the podcast. This man. has been a real treat. I wish you continued success, man. Like thank you. I, I know you've you've had a long career already, but like keep it up. Um, no doubt. I'm proud of you. St. Louis is proud of you.
0: Yep. And I'm proud. I'm proud of everybody yeah. in St. Louis. I'm proud of you guys.
1: We're yeah. all all yeah. coming up together. We can do it. Hey. Yep. We could do it. Yeah, we could We could do it. We could do it. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, well, everybody, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. If you're watching, uh, my name is Bill Parmentier. I'm with Old Storm Studios. This is the Pre-Pro Podcast presented by Splice House. Thanks again, and we will see you
2: next time. Thanks, Dana. Oh, thank
0: you. So should we do some of that little chitter-chatter to what you pay? like yeah. I do the Love blur it. out and then...